Book One from the point of view of Mrs. Gildea. Chapter Fifteen of Lady Bridget in the Never Never Land. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. Mrs. Gildea could get nothing more out of Lady Bridget. She attacked McKeith in a more tentative manner, but Colin was doggedly reticent. He was taking the thing hardly. His way of facing a serious situation was by setting his teeth and saying nothing. After these unsuccessful attempts, Joan made opportunity, before leaving, for a private word on the subject with Lady Tallant. But Rosamond Tallant treated the matter, at first, very lightly. "'Dear Mrs. Gildea, you needn't worry. It's only Biddy's way. She must have some excitement to keep her going. If it isn't one thing, it's another. In London I tried to interest her in society, or politics, and the opera. And now Luke is trying to interest her in colonial questions, but she always drifts back to men she can't help it and the funny thing is i don't believe that in her heart she is capable of a serious attachment i'm not so sure of that answered mrs gildea if so she has plenty of opportunities of proving it but i wasn't ever afraid even of willoughby Maule. i was certain that would fizzle out before real harm could come of it and mercifully it did he's married a woman with a quarter of a million and the right to dispose of it absolutely as she pleases I heard that she signed a will on her wedding day, leaving it all to him in the event of her death. Too great a temptation, wasn't it? Though I do think, if Biddy had chosen, she might have kept him in spite of Miss Bagalay and her money. As it is, Colin McKeith, or else the novelty of it all out here, has driven him out of her head. I felt sure of that when I asked her to come. You needn't worry about her. It's not so much about Biddy that I'm worrying as about my old friend Colin McKeith, said Mrs. Gildare. It isn't fair that he should be made a victim. Oh, well, it isn't altogether Biddy's fault that she attracts all types of men. And then Lady Tallant made exactly the same remark as Lady Bridget. I think Mr. McKeith is quite able to look after himself. I don't pity him in the least. Didn't somebody say of Lady something or other that to love her was a liberal education? Steele said it of Lady Elizabeth Hastings. I call it a liberal education for Colin McKeith to love Lady Bridget O'Hara, laughed Lady Tallant. Mrs. Gildea changed her tactics and voiced her other fear, a more insistent fear. "'Has it ever occurred to you that Lady Bridget O'Hara might fall in love with Colin McKeith?' "'Why, my dear, she's wildly in love with him already,' rejoined Lady Tallant, to Joan Gildea's surprise. "'You've seen it?' "'I'm not blind, and I know Biddy. But I've seen that she's taking this affair differently from the others, and that's what makes me think it has gone deeper. A very good thing for Biddy.' You can't mean that it would be a good thing for Biddy to marry Colin McKeith. Lady Tallant's social manner was rather full of affectations. Underneath it, however, lay common sense and sympathy. She became suddenly simple and direct. Well now, Mrs. Gildea, let us look at the matter without prejudice. You are fond of Biddy, and so am I. But we know her drawbacks. Naturally, it wouldn't be a good thing under ordinary conditions. But is she likely to do much better? She has had plenty of chances and thrown them all away, and though she looks so young, she is close on thirty. Of course, with her looks and her fascination, she ought to have married well. I'm sure her friends have tried hard enough for her, but what can you do with a girl who throws herself at the heads of ineligibles, and when one trots out an unexceptionable parti, and does one's best to bring them together, goes off at a tangent and lets the whole thing drop through? You know how it was with Lady Tallant enumerated names. Mrs. Gildare acquiesced mournfully. Lady Tallant continued. The truth is, Biddy has tired out the patience of her relatives and friends, 
Molly and Chris Gaverick got the hump over Willoughby Maul, who would have done well enough if he had only had more money. Old Eliza, so Lady Tallant irreverently styled the dowager Countess of Gaverick, told me herself that she was going to wash her hands of Biddy. I shouldn't wonder if she didn't leave her a penny. And, after all, it was her own fortune, and she has a horde of needy relatives. She will consider that she has done her duty to the Gavericks if she lets Chris have the castle. When all's said and done, I don't see that it would be such a bad thing for Biddy to marry a rich Australian squatter. Colin McKeith is not rich. Oh, he will be. Sir Luke has been hearing all about him. He's not her equal. His father was just a land bailiff, and his grandfather a crofter. Oh, what does that matter? In these days, any of us would marry the roughest of rough diamonds, provided he was decently well off. Biddy has always been mad after adventure and an open-air life. She's an original, and everything would be in keeping. Lady Tallant went on briskly. She would enjoy living among the blacks, provided they did not murder her, and I suppose one could trust Mr. McKeith for that. Oh, there's no danger from the blacks now, put in Mrs. Gildea. And then she needn't be buried forever in the bush. Luke tells me that Colin McKeith is certain to come to the fore in politics. I dare say he will be Premier of Leichardt's Land before long. Biddy would like bossing the show and airing her philanthropic crazes. Mrs. Gildea shook her head doubtfully. Colin wouldn't agree with them. Besides, she would be expatriated. Oh, no, the big men over here are always taking trips to England, being fated and made much of in Downing Street, imperialist policy and that sort of thing. I can see Biddy at it. Mrs. Gildea was silent. She scarcely knew Lady Talent in this downright mood. There's no use blinking matters, said that lady. At home, Biddy has been a failure. That was why I persuaded her to come out with us. I knew she wanted a fresh start badly. It was quite true. Mrs. Gildare remembered Bridget's confidences to herself. She could not help feeling that Lady Tallant was right in the main, and put forward no more objections. But she explained her own plans, and the necessity for her immediate departure from Leichhardt's land, how she had hoped, too, to take Biddy with her, and interest her once more in literary and artistic work. Biddy won't go, she told me so, and I don't mean to let her, said Lady Tallant decidedly. We're short-handed till the new private secretary gets here, and she helps me with my notes and things generally. And if it wasn't for Biddy's singing, our dinners would be too deadly dull for words. Joan gave up in despair. She suspected that Lady Tallant's affectionate candour was not unadulterated with selfishness. Finally, Rosamond promised that she would interest and amuse Lady Bridget to such an extent as would deter her from rash love-making for want of counter-excitement. Then, Joan reflected, Colin was pre-eminently a prudent businessman, and, as he had told her some time before, would have to go back to the upper Lura before the strenuous work of the session came on. This was always supposing that the present ministry kept in, without going to the country upon certain labour measures unacceptable to the large landowners, in which case it was just possible McKeith might be thrown out of his seat. Events lay in the lap of the gods. Mrs. Gildea wound up matters at the cottage and took train south, where she was soon wholly occupied in describing the wonder of the Janolan caves and the wild gorges and primeval gum forests in the Blue Mountains. She was really too busy in the interests of the imperialist to worry over her friend's love affairs. In fact, she gleaned most of her information as to the Leichhardt's town government house party from the newspapers she happened upon at bush hotels for Lady Bridget was evidently in a reactionary mood as regards letter-writing, and Colin McKeith never put pen to paper if he could avoid doing so, except on business. 
it was at mossvale that she read a florid paragraph in the ladies page of a sydney journal telling of the engagement of that intrepid pioneer and future empire builder mr colin mckeith to the lady bridget o'hara niece of the late and cousin of the present earl of gaverick next post brought her three brief and characteristic letters she opened lady tallant's first government house leichardt's town dear mrs gildea i do hope this may catch you before the newspapers which i find announced the engagement rather prematurely last week i am still of opinion that biddy might do much worse than marry colin mckeith though entre nous the settlements or rather want of them for mr mckeith tells us that he needs all his capital for making wells and buying cattle and he won't injure his prospects and biddy's by tying it up does not at all please sir luke who before he would countenance the marriage insisted upon a cablegram being sent to the dowager lady gaverick her answer not my business must do as she pleases only confirms what i said to you and i am afraid biddy's chances are worth nothing in that quarter the wedding is to be early in may from government house of course and i need scarcely say how much we all hope you will come back for it always sincerely rosamond tallant p s no doubt biddy is giving you full details but biddy did not indulge either in details or rhapsodies she began they say hanging and wiving go by destiny and clearly my destiny is to become the wife of colin mckeith i've always felt that the only thing which could reconcile me to marriage would be marrying a man and at last i've found one i want to tell you joan that we've made an agreement to ask each other no questions about respective pasts the blackfellows he has slain the one jarring note between us are never to be resuscitated the men whose hearts i have broken and vice versa are dead and buried on the other side of the equator under a monument of inviolable silence such are the terms of the marriage contract and you in especial must respect them i need say no more except this have no fears for the happiness of your biddy from colin in telegraphic conciseness tremendously happy she's absolutely my ideal in everything but size all very satisfactory and conclusive but mrs gildea could not escape from a vague misgiving she was not afraid of the ghost of mr willoughby maule indeed she argued favourably from the baldness of bridget's letter in comparison with the reams of sentiment she had written upon the previous occasion nor did she feel uneasy on the score of any others of lady bridget's bygone passions but had this complex fastidious physically refined creature the least comprehension of what life on the upper lura might mean and how about an ideal dethroned from her pedestal and plumped down amid the crude realities of the nethermost bush mrs gildare did not get to the wedding she was ordered to report on the mines of western australia and was on the other side of the continent when the marriage took place in fact it seemed doubtful whether she would again meet lady bridget before her mission as special correspondent ended but the mckeiths were to spend their honeymoon in travelling to his station on the upper lura a distance of some hundreds of miles from the nearest port and quite out of the imperialist programme she read however circumstantial accounts of the wedding and there were portraits of the pair in which colin looked grumpy and lady bridget whimsically amused snapshots too of the wedding cortege in which sir luke tallant fathering the bride appeared a pompous figure in full uniform and lady tallant in splendid panoply most stately and gracious a long account followed of the bride's family connections in which the biographer touched upon the accident of sex that had deprived her of the hereditary honours 
the ancient descent of the gabbricks with a picture of the old irish castle where lady bridget had been brought up and so forth and so forth mrs gildaya sighed as she read and pictured in her imagination the wild wastes of the never never land and the rough head station which was to be lady bridget's home End of book one, chapter fifteen.